How are you, my love? I'm so excited to chat to you today. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very well. Had a pretty hectic morning, but I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, we were just talking about that and how you get up every day at like 4 a.m. How do you do that? <laughs> yeah. And how long have you been doing this for? How like um, people who aren't morning people would very... just be like, how do you do this? Yeah, they won't understand. But what they don't understand is I'm literally in bed at 7.30, asleep at 8 o'clock. So that helps. That's that makes a so massive much part sense. of it as well. Yeah, mm. but it's, you- it's super important for me. It's um, mm. just like my me time. I feel like mm. the rest of the world is asleep and I have this little kind of hour before I get into my workouts and stuff that's just for me and I can have a read and go on my phone sometimes because I'm not that you know, I'm not that person who's like, don't wake up and don't, don't touch your phone. Yeah. Um, I'll just do whatever I kind of want to do and what makes me feel good. And yeah, I love yeah. that time it's of the just day. That, yeah. It's just that time of the day that you get no one to contact you. Like it's just yeah a free hour or two. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Um, for anyone that's listening that doesn't know who you are, who is Jacqueline? So I'm Jack. My surname is Lee, by the way. Everyone assumes it's like one word, Jack Lee, but I'm Jack (laughs) Lee. Um, I'm a photographer, videographer, content creator. Um, I have quite a few other things going. I've got my own podcast called Shots Fired. Um, I'm a co-creator of Peace Society Puzzles. Um, I'm content manager for Volando Tequila, which is a super exciting project. We're just about to launch in the States. which is a massive deal, very exciting. And yeah, I'm just a, a bit of a fitness addict. Uh, and yeah, I live in Noosa, beautiful corner of the world. And mm. that's pretty much me. My hometown too. That's why I was like, yep, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're going to connect. Um, how long have you been living in Noosa for? Um, since very end of 2019 Mm. so basically since you know what (laughs) since the big COVID since you know who yeah yeah I grew up in Brisbane um and lived there until I was 18 then I moved to the states to play tennis in a college for four years came back home and I was like I'm gonna go to med school I'm gonna like you know study again Mm. and then I got about eight months in and I was like fuck this bought a camera and got a one-way trip to Europe instead um well actually I think it was a two-way but didn't never took that way back um Mm. and yeah that's kind of how the whole photography journey started like that trip overseas it was eight months pretty much solo traveling and Mm. I would just be taking photos every day just and at the start of this I literally didn't know how to use a camera either so it was just Mm. little bits of practice every day um somehow ended up in Morocco with no money in a lot of debt and I was like I don't want to go home so I just took the first job that I could find which was a um, au pair position in Munich in Germany and ended up staying there for two years so at the end of that whole stint in Germany I came back home which was intending to be a little break um and then I was going to go off and follow the ATP the pro tennis tour Um, capturing photography content for some of the players and um, agencies and then COVID happened and I was stuck and I was like oh shame I'm gonna have to like miss out on a couple weeks of the tour and we all know that it was much longer than a couple of weeks yeah yeah just ended up staying in Noosa that's crazy I didn't realize how much travel you've done 
Yeah, I've done quite a lot. Yeah. How did you like, how did you make ends meet with that? Like you said that like you had no money in Morocco. Like how did you get out of that situation? Like what was that process like? I always, I'm always so yeah. curious around that, <laughs> like how people get themselves in that situation. Um, I'd be freaking yeah. out if it was me. <laughs> Look, I was freaking out a bit, but I had, I had two credit cards that I'd maxed out and they weren't massive ones. One was like 4K, one was 6K. So I was in about 10K oh. of debt. Yeah. Um, I was lucky that I had some friends and family around Europe. So I would um, go to like London for three months and I would just stay there kind of hopping around between friends and family and just pick up little jobs where I could. Um, so luckily I had got my visa um, before I left to Europe because I didn't know where I would end up. So I just got a working visa for um, the UK. Um, so I was just doing little hospitality stints. I would do like burger joint one day and then like bar back the next day and then packing like ham hampers the next just literally wow. anything working on top shop um any little bit of thing that I could to just make enough money to basically continue on but mm. um of course I'm not paying off any debt working at top shop <laughs> so um yeah. yeah it was a bit of a tricky after like three months of that I was like London just isn't for me it's so expensive mm. um so yeah, that was a bit of a, a bit of a struggle. And then from there, I was happening to talk to a friend of mine who's actually also from Noosa and she was in an au pair position in Berlin. And she was like, look, it's pretty easy. You just look after these kids, um, pays pretty well. Um, this is the agency I went through to get the job. So I contacted the agency and my friend was like ex-teacher, like she had done so much in childcare. She's so like maternal and caring and and patient and I'm the opposite I'm the most impatient person especially with children I don't particularly love children <laughs> why did I think this was a great job for me anyway I was like this sounds great so um, this agency was dealing primarily with like higher um, status families people who mm. don't want to find just anyone they want yeah they need kind of um, a lot of privacy and a lot mm. of care and like celebrities so anyway I ended up yeah, pretty much. It was like the very, very wealthy, like the the guy that I ended up working for was um, the owner of the biggest private equity fund in Germany and just like big, yeah, a lot of, a lot of money. Wow. So I got this job, which I thought at the start was going to be pretty cushy. It was um, the parents were separated. So I only worked for the dad. So whenever the kids were with the mum, I didn't have to work mm. technically. So it was kind of like, I was like, oh, okay. So I work two weeks a month and I get paid full time. That's awesome. Wow. Um, it was a lot more demanding than that. The children all had kind of some issues because of the family circumstances. Um, mm. And it was actually really, really difficult. And sometimes I would be ending up working the entire month and then have like the next month off. So while it was really demanding mentally, physically, um, it allowed me that time in between to actually go and travel and do things in between. So I wasn't like constantly tied to one spot, which was really mm. nice. Um, so I was able to, I mean, Munich's literally in the center of Europe. So I could like hire a car and just drive to Italy. Like I did that probably five or six times. Um, wow. so it was really good to have, have flexibility to move around. Um, and as it did pay pretty well, I was able to start paying off that debt a bit and, um, yeah, that's kind of how I made it all made it all work in the end. Wow, that's so interesting. I did not know that. <laughs> and then obviously you came back because COVID hit. And then yeah. how did your business? Well, actually I came back yeah. before. 
Oh. So I came back as like a little, I was like, I broke up with a, with a boyfriend there and I was having a really hard time. Um, and I was like, look, I think it's just time to go home. So it was just the luckiest timing in the world that I oh. happened to come back in December, 2019. Mm. Thank God. Wow. Um, yeah. Timing life. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and then since then, like, what did you do through that COVID period and how did you evolve your business to grow it to where it is today? Yeah. So by the time, I mean, while I was in Germany, I had done, I did a very small wedding there. I did a bit of a restaurant shoot. I did some sporting stuff. I was, I was working with a, um, primarily photography wise, my main, jobs were working within the ATP tour for a management agency who had probably five or six of the top 50 men's players in the world at that time. Um, So I would go to different tournaments in, you know, all over Europe and just capture them in the matches off court if they had press events, that sort of thing. Um, But I was still very early days. I was still learning a lot and I was still very much like a rookie. So I came back home And the idea was I would do um, Australian Open in January. Obviously, that didn't happen (laughs) and everything was just starting to fall apart. And I had this whole plan to, in March, I was meant to go to the United States and tour around to, I think, three different states, three different tournaments, um, and then head off to Europe again, do the whole tour there, head off to Asia, do that, come back. And when that was all canned, I was in this place where I was like, okay, literally everything that I've been working towards. Because when I was living in in Munich, those stints where I wasn't working for two weeks or a month, I would go off and photograph a tournament. I would pay for my own travel. I would get there. I would offer my services for free, so I'm not getting paid a cent. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be there from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. just shooting. And then these players, when they get off, they want their images right away because they want to share on socials immediately, like, hey, I won. So you're shooting, you're running back somewhere so you can edit, send it off to these players, getting off to the next court, and it's just running all day. Um, And I was doing that completely for free just to, like, A, get my name out there, um, Mm. B, hopefully one of these bigger players would, like, share my work and brands and things would start to notice me. Um, So I was doing all of that and built up to this point where um, I could finally get into these some, like, some of the higher level tournaments and it just felt like all of that work was just gone mm. <laughs> for nothing because I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do anything. Um, so I had to pivot. And luckily in Noosa, there's a pretty thriving hospitality industry. Um, and even through COVID, like people still needed imagery, luckily. And it was very, very slow to start with. Like I, I remember posting on the community board, like, hey, I'm a photographer. I know a lot of restaurants are transitioning to takeaway because you can't dine in. Um, I'm here to offer my services to anyone who needs it free of charge. Guess how many responses I got? A few? (laughs) Big fat zero. No. Zero. Absolutely nothing. So then I was like, okay, I've lost, no, I've lost like my source of income. I've lost my passion and I'm now offering it for free and Hmm. no one wants it. And I was Hmm. like, I am the worst. (laughs) That's one way to think like I am definitely not good enough. (laughs) Yeah, it was tough. It was really tough. Um, But I just kept working on it. I made a Excel spreadsheet and I put all of the restaurants in 
Noosa, all of the restaurants in like Maroochydore. I had the the manager's name, the contact email, everything. And I sent out an email tailored to each place um, asking if they wanted content. And I probably sent about, I don't know, a hundred of these emails. And of those hundred, a few booked me in, which was great. And that mm. kind of kickstarted things. And then someone would see that I'd taken photos there and they would ask and it kind of snowballed from there. So I found myself being like the, um, I guess, food, drink, industry, photographer, one of them. There were still like others who were much better than me in Noosa, but I was starting to make a name for myself. And then mm. because I'm in the athletic fields as well, um, athletes would start to reach out, athletic brands, cyclists, like things like this. And it just slowly, slowly um, snowballed. And I was really lucky that JobKeeper was still a thing because mm-hmm. um, without that and without, you know, I was staying with my parents at the time. So I really had nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. So it was a really, really privileged position to be in, to be able to just give it my all um, with very few, you know, consequences if it didn't go well. Mm-hmm. Um, and by October of 2020, I had moved out and was like, you know, making it on my own. So it was pretty much that March to October point where I was hustling, 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 like just trying to make enough money that I could like pay rent, get out of my parents' home because they were driving me crazy. (laughs) Um, yeah. So that was a a really pivotal time Mm. for me and my business. Mm. And then what's changed over the last couple of years? Like obviously you've just grown to bring on more clientele and more and just mm. you've got that brand awareness now because you did really put in that work, which a lot of people are quite scared of or they go too hard yeah. and then they're like nothing's working and you just feel like you're throwing, you know, shit at a wall and it's just not sticking <laughs> or mud at the wall and it's just yeah. not sticking. And, yeah. you know, you – you just get so disheartened that you're like all this work, like it's literally for nothing. Like what was that? What what kept you going through all those moments? Like, did you have this bigger vision for yeah. yourself or were you like, Oh, I've got something I can fall back on. And if it doesn't work out this time, then I'll just go back to that. Like what was your mindset getting through all those little moments where literally anyone in that moment, in those, any of those moments would probably give up, but you continue to persevere. Um, I never had a fallback. I knew this is what I wanted to do and I like didn't even consider it. Mm. Um, I knew it was going to work. It was just a matter of putting in the effort and um, finding clients. So in the early days, I didn't have many expenses really. Like I had very minimal equipment and, um, you know, the software and everything is is not cheap, but I was in a position where I could hustle enough that I knew – at the very minimum, I would get what I need to keep running. Mm. Um, so I guess I just like, I'm a, I'm a very, I wasn't always like this, but I'm a very um, driven and focused person. Um, I used to care about everything but like my career. <laughs> yeah, I would be like, what are my friends doing? What's this mm. boy doing? Like very just, you know, in the moment things. Um, and now I'm much more balanced I guess in a way um Mm. so I mean how did I get more clients at that stage I think it was just a keeping up with socials and and um getting my name out there Mm -hmm. but at the same time I was doing so much wrong I was charging very little amounts like I was so scared that if I charged what I thought 
I could, that people would just say no. So I was in this position where I was shooting like sometimes three, four different shoots in a day. Um, and I was so exhausted, so tired. I was skipping the gym all the time because I was like, I just have to work. I just have to work. Like I've got these jobs. I have to make hay when the sun shines and, um, and accept these jobs. But I didn't see how much of a vicious cycle it was. It was like I would accept these jobs for, for a little bit, complete them, be really tired, do it again, get a bit more money, buy like one lens. I would save so much to be able to buy like one little thing to benefit my business and the cycle would continue. And I would just, I was stuck in this hamster loop of um, I just need to work more so I can afford this so I can get better. And it was just constant. And I was mm. just exhausted. I was mm. getting sick. I was, yeah, it was really not good. <laughs> mm. um, so yeah, that was kind of the early days. Um, and that took me for, it was probably a good six to eight months like that, which sounds absurd to me now. Like, I don't know how I survived like that. Um, but yeah, I just kind of kept persevering. Yeah. I think when you like, you know, that you're called to do something, you have like such a passion and a drive for achieving something bigger than what you've ever experienced before or achieved. It's just, it's always the journey. Like, I know this sounds so cliche and so, uh, but it actually is a lot about like the chase and the journey and like mm. the, yeah, the journey to actually getting to where you want to be, which is like basically where you are kind of now, basically. And now it's just like, you've laid all the foundations, you've done all the hard work. Yeah. Now you're passing things off so that you can make your life a little bit easier and you can enjoy your life a lot better. Um, Mm -hmm. And now you've got a lot more of a key focus on not only the weddings and some other projects that you're working on, but also like branding and building people's businesses themselves so that they can get their name out there and, and shine within themselves mm -hmm. as a personal brand as well, which I think is like, you're also like the impact that you're having on other people's life is also so, like such a bigger thing, uh, more that it's more than yourself. And it's, Mm. I'm sure you probably never even thought that you'd get to this position. You'd be in a position like this, but the perseverance of you pushing through and getting to a position now where you've got so much lux and freedom and um, so much better management within your business, um, it must just feel so humbling and you must feel so proud of yourself to get to where you are right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I think of that, like perseverance and that drive, um, and how I said I didn't always have that. I think it all stemmed from like my time in the US. I I was there to play tennis and I was recruited by a coach um, who was lovely, amazing, um, signed on. And then before I arrived, she got fired and someone else came in. And mm. right off the bat when I arrived, I'm 18, moving to another continent, across the other side of the world, don't know anyone, no friends, no family, nothing. And immediately this coach was like, I don't think you're good enough to play on this team. I don't think you're smart enough to be at this college. Here are your options to transfer. Um, you can arrange visits whenever you want. And I was like, mm, no, I want to stay. <laughs> and luckily there's a lot of laws around this in the States that you can't just kick someone off a team. They have to um, either misbehave or break their kind of um, their contract I guess of what they're supposed to do mm. which is basically show up to practice 
don't be an asshole. Mm. (laughs) Very like vague rules. Mm. They cannot say you're not playing well enough. You're off the team. Um, So I didn't really know this and obviously they did. And the coaches made me sign a contract saying I would do all of these extra curricular things. And if I didn't complete them, then I could be kicked off the team. And these things included like doing extra gym sessions every day by myself. Instead of going to group practices, I would like ride my bike in the snow to the indoor center and play on a ball machine. Um, I would coordinate with like hotels when we're traveling, organize our food, design our like team clothing and get the logos on them and everything. Communicate with our boosters, sponsors, like so many things that clearly they were like, okay, if she, she, there's no possible way she can complete this, still train, play on the team, study, so, like, you know, they thought it was a done deal. They'd get me off the team. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did it all. <laughs> and it, was a, it was a fucking hard few years. It was really wow. hard. Um, and by my senior year, they'd accepted the fact that, okay, she's going to stay. So they kind of, you know, backed off a little. But it was a really hard three years of just feeling like you're not good enough. You're not meant to be here. Like, you know, just completely terrible feeling. Mm. Um, And I think that really shaped kind of my attitude towards things now because I do not fucking give up. I Mm. find a way. I will keep trying. um, And I don't let people's opinions really affect me anymore. Um, So I think that's massive in in my attitude now towards almost everything in life. Like Mm. I'm a pretty strong person, um, but that's not by accident. That's through experience. so that's probably been my biggest asset in business is just not having fear of failure and just believing in myself that like if I put in the work, I can I can get there. Mm. That is so admirable and like you've really proven that like nothing is impossible as well. Mm. Like you kind of fight to the death in a way. Yeah, to, big time. <laughs> to get it done, <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, I I guess I pick up as well in the way that you speak as well if you're very um, – you're very like with like you you're so confident within yourself that you know who you are and I think that is through the experiences that you've had and I think travel can do a lot to you in that mm. sense um and being in really uncomfortable situations um and and not letting other people get in the way of what you want yeah yeah that's massive yeah because there's so I think there's a lot of people in life that um will we'll just stop or just give up because someone mm. said no. Yeah. And I I always think of this and it's really strange, but like I've heard us watch interviews of like Chris Jenner. Yep. <laughs> who is like renowned for taking 10%, you know, yep. of her daughter's, um, you know, brand deals and things like that. But one thing that's got her to where she is today is that she never takes no for an answer. And if she does, mm. then she's asking the wrong person. Yeah. Exactly. And I was like, that is so brilliant. Like so simple, but like if you are really able to be smart about us being like asking the right people and even just putting your head down, doing the hard work, like you eventually it's going to pay off in some sense. Mm-hmm. And I think like your whole attitude towards it, it just it just makes sense that you are where you are today because of what you've mm. been through. But it's not that you've become this overnight success in a year or 12 months Absolutely or six not. months. This has been like, how long has it been? 
oh, it's been a good three years of solid effort. And in saying that, like I, I got my coach in, I think it was March of last year. Um, and she's helped me so much. So if I hadn't had her for the last, you know, whatever it's been nine, 10 months, um, I'm sure I still would have grown, but not mm. to the extent that I have. Um, so also knowing when you're at the position where, cause I was booking out by this point, I was exhausted booking out and, mm. um, saying no to probably 20, 20% of people that inquired because I just couldn't fit it in. Mm. Um, and she helped me take that to a position where I'm now, you know, four times my rates over that time. So I can really pick and choose what I want to do. So I'm not working with like clients who are massive red, red flags, people mm. that I just, I don't have no interest in the shoot things that, um, I feel obligated to do. I can just completely eliminate those and still make the same amount of money now working once a week that I was back there shooting mm. three times a day. So, mm. um, that's really helped me from the position of like, okay, things are going well. Clearly I have a product and a service here that people want, but how do I market this to the right people mm. in order to develop this business so that I don't have to sell my soul every freaking day mm. to make a good living? Um, so she's really helped me along that process. And a lot of that was like niching down and, and targeting those people that you really want to target. And that's kind of how the personal branding stuff came in too, because I found that, um, you know, with this, there was so many opportunities for people with like, um, you know, a massive online following, but we we're starting to get to that time with socials that people were realizing, okay, you actually don't need a huge following to generate a successful business through social media. Um, but one of the key factors in that is getting, you know, some content of yourself and your brand depicting what you do um, to portray yourself in like a unique way to kind of stand out in your market. Um, so that whole process of like niching down really helped me to grow, increase my rates and really target those people that I wanted. Mm. And what have you seen with branding nowadays with people wanting more of a personal brand and why do you think it's becoming such a pivotal and vital role as a business owner moving forward into the future of social media, the future of business in general or coaching or whatever it is that people do online service provide, um, providers. Um, why do you think, yeah, branding plays such a vital ro role in the success of a business? Well, personal branding is like literally everything you put out there, right? It's not just your photos. It's how you appear on a day-to-day. -day. It's your like personality. It's what you enjoy doing, your hobbies. It's your tone of voice. It's how you communicate with your community. Um, it's absolutely everything. And in order to, you know, lead people down this funnel to your product or service, you need to connect them from who you are to what you're selling. And the personal brand does that really well. Like, for example, Rachel Dillon, she has moved with us in Crop Shop Boutique and she does a really good job on her um, page to lead people and get a, a feel for who she is. Okay, she's clearly very health and wellness focused. She loves her lifting. She values her, you know, tight inner circle and family relationships. Um, she's quite balanced in her, like, diet and things. Like, she's really curated this brand around her that, just oozes her and represents her and that really seamlessly leads into what she's selling. So you almost don't even notice it. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. It just completely leads you down this path of, oh, I like her. I trust her. This is what she's selling. I want it. Mm. So it just generates that link for you. Um, it also 
separates you from the crowd, right? So you're not just like everyone else selling the same thing. I mean, it's a, it's a very saturated market, um, in the education coaching space at the moment and not everyone out there is honest and not everyone has the abilities that they should to be able to provide what they're offering. Um, not everyone, definitely not everyone, mm-hmm. but it's become a thing. You have to, you have to kind of sort through the weeds a bit to find someone um, that's right for you. So really developing that honest um, personal brand through integrity and um you know, showcasing that will really help you bo- build that community. Um, so that's why I think it's so, so important. Mm. And um, working with some of the clients that you have, what have you noticed that sets them apart from, I guess, other people that maybe don't have like such a personal brand? Like what's what do you notice within maybe their personality or their, their direction, their concept, all of that? What do you find that's different with working with people that have that sort of a focus I think the major difference is they treat it like a business Mm. like it is your life you are showcasing who you are and what you like to do and all of that and it's nice to have some like cute photos of yourself but at the end of the day it is a business Mm. and they're treating it as such so Mm. it's not just like they want to get some hot photos of themselves it's like this is what I'm selling this is what I need to capture of me in order to sell that and it's very strategic and laid out Mm. Um, I mean we talk for half an hour, 45 minutes when I first have these clients about like, okay, who are you actually? What are you selling? Who are you targeting this to? Um, And we'll develop some creative concepts that actually relate purely to them instead of just hopping onto Pinterest and being like, that looks cute. Let's do that Mm. because it might not actually benefit you. Mm. Um, So they're really open to work on the logistics of it and the, um, you know, the concept phase so that it really works for them. Mm. Yeah, that makes so much sense because they've got that vision of themselves. Really, it's the, it's mm-hmm. I I think that like when it when it comes to building something or achieving something that's just so much bigger than yourself, and you're wanting to have this greater impact, I think it you've always got to have that vision in mind, and you've always got to have like that direction and the strategy behind it. But then the mindset, you know, just bas- basically is like the catalyst to it all, mm-hmm. and. I think being very clear and precise in the direction that you're going and the vision that you have for yourself and also knowing who you are, knowing your color, your flavor, your personality, what you like, what you don't like. Are you a pink girl or are you black and white? You know, like what sort of a vibe are you? And um, allowing yourself to just shine through through your authentic self rather than trying to um, create an image that is like so not you yeah. You know, I think like that's a really vital piece to um, creating a brand for yourself that um, that people know or can come onto your page and be like, oh, I like this girl. Oh, I like this vibe. Oh, I like what she has. Mm-hmm. Oh, I trust her. Like I can feel what she does. You, you know, you get to know her pretty quickly because yeah. she's there's there. There's that consistency, yeah. yeah and the consistency there's... doesn't have to be like over years, you know. It's like you can have – if you're a pink girl but you like the black and white, you can have like one launch of something in pinks and then the next one can be black and white. You don't have to be so rigid mm. but there's a way to do it that is still true to you. Like, for example, people come to me and they'll say like, oh, I've been seeing your photos like here, there and everywhere 
and I know it's you and all of the shoots are different, but I can still tell it's your work. Mm. And that's because I have my flavor, no matter what kind of style we're doing, whether it's like super dark, spotlight, bright white, outdoor, mm. people know that it's my work. So there's, there's definitely a way to do it and you don't have to be so, so rigid with it as long as it's just true to, you know, your greater vision. Mm, absolutely. What do you feel like it's been your biggest lesson in owning and operating a business so far? Biggest lesson? Hmm. Um, or you could even look at it from the perspective of like what's been like your biggest like either failure or mistake that has become a lesson <laughs> because yeah, mistakes think, are lessons at the end of the day really. Of course. I think yeah. how – you communicate with people is absolutely everything. Mm, um, I, yeah, I had a few, a few clients and situations early on where um, there would be some conflict and I would immediately be so defensive and I would just be like, I can't, I would like get off the phone with a client and be like, you know, a bit sassy and, and I would hang up and I'd be like, fuck, I can't believe this guy. He thinks that I'm going to be doing this, blah, 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 blah. Um, and I had this exact moment. I was I was staying in the Gold Coast with my cousins and my uncle, and my uncle's a very um, kind of spiritual, like very open-minded. Um, he's just a very – he's a very interesting guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and he was like, well, maybe you're wrong. I was like, what? <laughs> maybe you're wrong. Maybe, you know, maybe this, maybe that. And he just got me thinking a little more in in terms of understanding other people's point of views, not mm. jumping to conclusions. And even if I do think I'm right, speaking and treating people in a way that still gives them their respect and, um, you know, there's just a, a, a different way of communicating and you, you have to drop the ego. You're not always right. Um, and even if you think you're right, you need to just take the time to understand the other side. Um, if you haven't read how to win friends and influence people, please do it every year. Anyone listening um, (laughs) that will, that just like, honestly, it's just the best book I've ever read. Mm. Um, But it's just so important. And I, I see this in signs, like it still pops up now and then I got an inquiry about a month ago and it was for a fashion label. And they were like, Oh, what's your, um, you know, we just want to know your hourly rate. And I was like, Oh, well, I don't really, do an hourly rate, but I do like this package, that package, this is my full day, this is my half day. And they were like, okay, well, in the past we've worked with photographers and they've given us an hourly and then like an editing rate and this and that. And I was like, okay, but I don't work like that. Mm. Um, and it was just like a, it was, the, it was thick, you know, the atmosphere and the phone mm-hmm. call, it was not pleasant. And I hung up the phone and I immediately know I'm not getting that job. I know I'm not. And I walked out of my office and I sat down and I was like, oh, this woman, she was so annoying. Like she said this and that and she, like she doesn't understand how I work. And I was sitting there and as I was venting, I was like starting to understand. And my roommate was like, oh, yeah, that's really annoying. And I was like, you know what? This is just my ego. Like I yeah. could have easily have said, okay, if that's how you're used to working, if that's how you want to work, um, we can just come up with a custom price for you um, and we can, you know, I could have been much more accommodating mm. and landed the job and there's just, there's no reason to get so caught up in your ego and like, I deserve this. These are my rates. Doesn't she know how great I am? Like it doesn't serve anyone and it's not mm. going to get you anywhere. Um, 
So I would say, yeah, communication and learning how to deal with difficult situations has been a massive, um, a massive benefit for me, not only in business, but just in, in personal life. Yeah, as well. Huge, big one. I love that. I love that you brought that up as well. Cause I think like, <laughs> that's a huge one that just doesn't get spoken about enough. And I think every person or human on the planet can always brush up and improve their communication. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that does come from level of like checking in with yourself and being like, okay, where do I stand on this? How do I feel like, mm. and you know what? It's sometimes it's okay that people don't understand. And I can kind of, re- I can kind of relate in a way because I think the personal training industry is very much like that because people yeah. are so used to a personal training session being a certain amount, you know, $60 for 45 minutes is like the go-to rate that everyone charges. But mm-hmm. whenever your rate's a bit higher or, you know, you don't do packs of sessions, you sign up to a 12-week container or whatever, that there's like a part of other people that I've dealt with before where people try to negotiate how they want you to do business with them. And it's like, no, yeah. no, you're coming to me for a service. It's not like you, like, you don't walk into... I don't know, a dry cleaning service and uh, like tell them how to dry clean <laughs> yeah. a garment. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you've got to kind of have that, like those boundaries a little bit as well, where it's like, well, if you want to work with me, like this is how you work with me. Mm. And like, you know, if, if you want something different, like maybe I can be accommodating, but then you can also have the choice not to be. Um, yeah, and that's absolutely. okay too. There's no like, right you don't need to let your ego get into it. You don't need to like think they're a terrible person and like, they're mm. a dickhead because they're asking for something you don't provide. It's mm. just they're not understanding. So 100%. if they're not understanding, what aren't you communicating? Take the responsibility. 100%. Taking self-responsibility is probably like one of the hardest things that a lot of mm. people really struggle with. Like even myself sometimes. Like for some, it again, it just comes back to like checking in with yourself and seeing where you're at and yeah, yeah meeting the other person where they're at as well. It's like, you know, yeah. two-way street here. Um, yeah. What advice would you kind of give anyone that's sort of starting a business, whether it's a photography business, any kind of business, um, given your experience, um, what would take them to the next level at this point in time for, for anyone? Like what would you say kind of took you to that next level um, and helped evolve your business um, to where it is sort of today? I'll do a few different levels. So from very first starting, I would say practice whatever this thing is you're providing, if it's a service, as much as physically possible. Just get out there and do it, whether it's for free, for friends and family, like for anything. The first thing you need is experience and confidence in what you're doing. If you don't have confidence in what you're doing, no one's going to buy into you. So um, like when I was starting photography, I would, you know, hit up so many people just in the DMs, hey, do you want to shoot? Free portrait shoot. Just practicing, 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 practicing to the point where, you know, you feel like you can, you know, charge for this and um, you can confidently go into starting a business. Um, I see some photographers reaching out to me a lot and they buy a camera and they're like, hey, how do I, like, what should I charge? And I'm like... Well, it's a very tricky question because I don't know, maybe you're incredibly talented and you can charge 400 bucks for, you know, an hour right away, but you're probably not. 
and you probably need to learn some things. So you need to practice and put in the work. So that's kind of the first little stage there. Um, the second, I would say from like, say you're consistently booking and you want to raise your prices so that you don't have to work as much. Like I was in that situation, I would say niching down and really finding um, what you're targeting. Um, an example for this is like in photography, I had my one account, it's Jack Lee, and I would be posting tennis, food, portraits, wedding, brands. And yeah, I'm going to get a lot of people, you know, that might see an awesome food photo and they might follow me and they might like that. And then the next day I post a tennis photo and they're like, what the fuck is this? Unfollow. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like they're, con- they're confused. Mm. Um, but you might get a nice spattering of clients that way. Um but you're not going to get top tier because top tier are like, I want the best brand fashion photographer. And if you go onto a brand, you go onto someone's website and they have like tennis and food and other shit thrown in, they're going to be like, well, she doesn't specialize in this. Mm. Um, so that's when I separated my weddings and my commercial. Um, the weddings, I, you know, really went specific about what kind of clients I want to target. And in order to target those, what do they want to see? Um and part of this, at least for the photography industry, is being really honest in what you offer. So there was a lot of like clickbaity words, timeless, elegant, <laughs> like, mm. you know, a documentary style and someone who calls them documentary style. And then you get to the couple and they're like, okay, just face each other, put your hand here, I'll go there, give her a kiss. Like that's not documentary style. So Mm-mm. you need to be really honest in what you're providing. Otherwise your clients are going to be like, what the actual fuck am I, did I get myself into? Yeah. Um, and that can apply to any any industry as well. Being really honest about what you provide, not trying to curate your bio or whatever to like, okay, what's going to get me the most um, interest? It's like, what do you honestly do mm. that will attract the right people? Um, so there's so many ways you can, you know, niche down in your messaging, in your, what you're sharing, the actual physical content. Um, but that's a massive one, just being really particular about who you are targeting. Um, and that's definitely what took me to where I am today. And then apart from that, just being even more strategic about, okay, I want to book this sort of thing in April now's the time to start putting that out there and getting that attention because people might need to see it three or four times before they realize, yes, I want to do this or I want to buy this or I want to, you know, use this service or product. Um, So thinking ahead and having an actual strategic marketing plan rather than waking up and posting a pretty photo every day and expecting, you know, clients to come running to you. Mm. Not going to work. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it might for a bit, but it's probably Maybe. not going to get you like the ideal ones. It's not going to get you like mm. your dream clients. It's not going to take you to any next level. It's very much like a maintenance strategy. Yeah, 100%. What do you feel like makes you really unique when you work with clients and producing like the high quality work that you do? Um, again, I go through like quite a detailed um, kind of curation phase on the mood boarding. Um, on my early days, I would literally just be like, oh, you want to shoot indoor or outdoor? Outdoor? Mm. Cool. Let's go to this beach. Send me a couple Pinterest photos. <laughs> and that would be like it. <laughs> and I'm like, I know, I know for a fact, a lot of photographers still do this. Mm. Um, and that's not really serving your clients very well. So um, 
now I, again, I have that call with them and we really get detailed on exactly who they are, what they want to show, what facets of their personality can we bring out? Are you obsessed with horses? Can we bring that in somehow? Like mm-hmm. just really getting down to the nitty gritty. Um, I also, you know, touching back on the taking responsibility for things, there were certain things that would happen within shoots, like someone would have really bad fake tan or like someone would forget to bring something and I would be like, oh, it's so annoying. These people keep doing this. And then again, taking the responsibility. I was like, okay, I'm not communicating this. They're not a mind reader. They've maybe have never done a shoot before. How are they meant to know this? Hmm. Um, so now I also send out within my workflows, um, you know, information on like how to actually nail your shoot. And it's like a, you know, I don't know how long it is, 15, 20 page document on things that you should have prepared, things that you should do, things that you should try and avoid. Um, and these are all things that people might not know mm-hmm. and it all in the end leads them to having a really successful shoot. Um, so if things keep happening within your business that are annoying and clients keep, um, you know, doing things that you, that result in them not getting the best result, you need to take responsibility and communicate those things beforehand, um, and within a workflow is a really good way to do that. Um, I used Absado in my CRM so that everyone that just seamlessly gets this information when they need to receive it. Um, and that just really, really helps the outcome. So it's quite a comprehensive process mm. rather than just like a photographer rocking up. Mm. Mm. You've been through that and then, yeah, you've evolved to make your business an actual business with yeah. flows and systems and information that's going to be able to communicate clearly to your clients that are going to invest into you like a, like they're going to invest into you and you know they you've got to kind of meet that level mm-hmm. to offer that um that level of service and quality mm-hmm. which i really really love um now i'd love to dive into a little bit like what your life is like behind the scenes of your business yeah I know that you are into your fitness and you've always been a bit sporty. <laughs> so that's obviously never left and you've continued to, um, you know, work on that part of yourself. And I would love to know, like, what's what's the behind the scenes of your business? Like, how do you take care of yourself behind running this awesome business that you have? Mm-hmm. Um, gym is massive for me. It is so important. It's probably like more important than my business to me like yeah. it's just huge why um it just makes me feel good it makes me feel confident it I know it makes me healthy like it empowers me it's like a lovely social interaction the community is amazing it is just like there's literally no downside there's never a moment where I'm like I don't want to be here mm. and I know that's pretty lucky because a lot of people have to like drag themselves to the gym but Like I'm not the person to talk on how to motivate yourself for the gym because I just fucking love it. Like I live to be there. Um, So that helps. (laughs) That's so good. Like I, I, as I was mentioning, you know, earlier on in the start of my business when I was shooting like way too much and I was just missing the gym, I was like, I just can't make it because I need to work. I need to do this. I need to do that. Now I actually physically have in my calendar every single gym session booked out like I cannot do anything in those times because I'm at the gym Mm. unless it's like a wedding or something on a Saturday Mm. then I won't go to the Saturday morning class or actually I still can if it's a noosa but if you know if I have to travel for something that's the only circumstance where I'm not there um so actually blocking things out even if that's like having a meeting with yourself about Mm. you know 
where you're at or where you want to go on a weekly basis, blocking that time out actually in the calendar so you cannot do anything on top of that is um, was really helpful for me. Mm. Yeah, I think it's like it's keeping to that level of integrity with yourself because I, I know that a lot of business owners out there, they they suffer from tiredness, brain fog, fatigue because they're mm. working late, they're prioritising work over themselves, they're prioritising meetings and mm. people and clients and money and all like, anything but themselves every anything but themselves and you know how can you function optimally as a business owner and evolve to those next levels if you're suffering from all those things it doesn't make sense to me it actually yeah, doesn't make sense um like i'd rather take care of myself first so that i can deliver mm-hmm. um a much better service i can deliver more of my brain to people because mm. that's what people pay me for um my wisdom my perspectives my direction for them like it's and and you're the exact same like it just doesn't make sense for me to not take care of myself and you I I know that you're exactly the same so how do you manage your work-life balance what does that look Mm -hmm. like and how does that feel for you yeah so I'm in the gym 5 30 every day um after that we usually all go get coffee after And this is like my nice, social, like fun me time Mm. um, every day. And I I freaking love that. It's amazing. Um, Then I come back home and depending on the day, like Mondays are kind of my consults, podcasts. Um, Tuesdays I have a side for half day or two hour shoots. Wednesdays are full day shoots. Thursdays are off. So I'm not doing anything anything work-related, it is like my time to just check out. That's the only day I have totally off um, and I need that. And I, I've chosen Thursdays because Wednesday is the first day I offer for um, commercial jobs and Fridays and Saturdays are big for weddings. So it gives me that buffer day in between to just mm, like mm. regroup, reconnect, um, have some time for me and then get back into the week. So if I don't have weddings on Friday or, or Saturdays, or if I don't have like a bigger commercial job, sometimes brands and stuff want a weekend, um, then I can also just go to the beach. I can like hang out with my friends. I can yeah. read a book. Um, yeah, I'm not, I haven't always been like, I mean, I struggle with the term work-life balance. I understand it, but um, I also love what I do. Mm. So some days I like if I do have a Friday and I don't have a wedding I might edit a shoot that I'm really excited about and that makes me happy and that you know drives me so um, it's not all black and white it's not all like work is this and I need to um, enjoy myself by doing something else Um, there is overlap and that's okay but just be really conscious of you know where that overlap is if that if that me time is starting to get drawn away by work that you don't um, find exciting, fulfilling, um, relaxing. Sometimes work is relaxing for me. Mm, mm. Um, but yeah, just trying to be really honest with myself about how I'm feeling and when I need time off. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much my, uh, attitude balance. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's good to know because, um, uh, you've got to also think about how you're going to be able to sustain this level of um, both work, um, success, money, like for the long term, you know. Um, and I think that if you're able to set yourself up and get into a really beautiful routine that you love, you thrive in, you're obviously going to enjoy it so much that you're not going to, it's not going to be something that you, you know, 
you're just constantly striving for like that retirement or you know mm. you've got to live your life at the same yeah. time as um, so true yeah you got to live your life take care of yourself but also like work hard at the same time because nothing's like everything involves working yeah. hard but you can also work smarter um, I think systems are a really good way to do this. Like before mm. I um, had my coach, she's kind of the one that got me into Dipsado, into my CRM. And before that, it was just like scattered. Like I had to remember, like, have I sent someone a contract? Have I sent the invoice for this? And I would like, you know, have to manually do so many things. And once I got my systems in place, um, that took so much workload off me. Um, so that was a massive one. And I really recommend doing that before you think you need to. Same with... Um, I got zero the accounting software um, before I needed to because I was like, well, things are growing, and if I keep growing at this rate, I'm going to hit this point where I need these, I need these stats, I need these details, I need the receipts in there, um, and that just makes like tax time and everything so much easier. Mm. Um, so starting those things before you feel like you really need to, just so that you understand it and you have the time to learn it before you're like flat out. Um, so that's allowed me to take on more like wedding inquiries and everything because if I have like 20 weddings booked and I don't have them stored in a central software and I don't know what level I'm at because in a wedding I send them like 10 different touch points before the Mm -hmm. day because there's so much time between them um I can't possibly remember where I'm at have I sent them meeting one have I sent them meeting two did I send them this document like you wouldn't know so having all that together and then when you hit that point where you're able to just get a VA like it's Mm. so so useful Um, if you're like on your day off and something happens where it's like it needs attention, I can just flick it to my VA and be like, hey, Sheridan, can you please like put this in the system or change this, fix this invoice up um, and I can go about my day. Mm -hmm. So things like that once you, I know that's like a luxury, um, but once you work up to a certain point, it's it's so worth it to just um, put a little of your expenses in those sorts of things so that – you can have your time back. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, I think um, work-life balance is so different for everyone and it all looks and feels different. And I think you've just got to find that happy meeting where you're still able to fill your cup up so you're not constantly pouring from an empty one. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you're able to work yourself to a level that you can start offloading things because if you just if you've got this tightness for wanting to control every aspect of your business, like you're just going to be more prone to burning out, feeling the heaviness in your business. There's not going to be no fun lightness and just like freedom. Like mm. I, I know that a lot of people will start a business to have that financial security and that limitless, you know, earning potential and also the freedom just to live your life. And that it sounds like you have that really beautiful balance even though it might not be balanced all the time but most Mm. of the time you've got that you've got those weekly rituals that you have um and those sort of like non-negotiables that you know are going to actually help you thrive as a human first to then show up in your business so that when you do show up for your clients and for the people that work for you you're giving them your best like you're able to communicate Mm. more effectively and it's just like this ripple effect even in your personal relationships your friendships um you know, your family and stuff, like you're just able to be so much more level-headed because you're actually taking care of you, the human, the body, the mind, your gut, all of the things that um, help you like live your life. Um, So I love that. Love, love, love. What is your focus for this year? What's like Jack Lee? Ooh. 2023. (laughs) 
that's going to actually my focus this year is like stepping back. Wow. grown so so much like four Mm. times in my rates from Mm. like three years ago you know that's pretty big Mm. um and I've been go 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 for so long um and I've I've got to this point where I can do I could do two weddings a month and just be like that's enough I'm done that's two days of work in a month well probably four editing (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know I I'm at that point where I don't need to feel like this is a race anymore um and I felt like I was, you know, I have a lot of commitments. I'm, you know, part owner of Rolando and that takes a lot of my time as well. We're currently um, working on another round of investing for our launch in the US and it's it's a lot. It's a lot of work. And, you know, we've just launched the puzzles in, in December and I've got the podcast as well. There's so many things to think about. Um, so this year I'm, I mean, I've, I've stopped any more bookings until May at this point. So I can really take some more time to reflect on how far I've come, enjoy my time. Like I'm nearly 30 now, so I, I want to enjoy these these mm. years. Um, so, yeah, just, just focusing on balance, working with like awesome people who love my work for what I do and um, value me and just finding that really wholesome balance of, um, you know, time for me and time for the things I want to do while still meeting my financial goals, which is, um, you know, it's taken a lot to get to this point, but I'm really lucky to be able to do that now. Mm, yeah. Cause like, see, like hearing your background and how much travel you've done, the hustle, the work, the, like all, everything that you've worked so hard to get to, like you are in a position now where you just absolutely deserve it, yeah. deserve it wholeheartedly. And I think like taking more space for yourself where you can, um, still have like just have some more freedom in your life to just like do what you want and not what everyone else wants um I think is like such a beautiful space to be in and I'm actually really like I'm keen to check in and see like how it's all going because like it would be cool to see like how it's feeling for you and like how everything also stepping back doesn't mean like the business will like not keep growing it's like I'm stepping back from shooting so I can like work on more how can we optimize my SEO how can we Mm -hmm. like get bigger on Pinterest like there's there's things that I can allocate that time to that will long-term serve the business and keep Mm. growing to like bigger and bigger clients. I can start pitching to like dream clients. I'll Mm. have time for these things that will still um, serve me to get to that next level of the business. And it's not like I'm, um, I forget who says this, but there's a a quote and I'm going to butcher it, but it's like write down a list of the 20 most important things that you want to accomplish in your life mm. and then forget the last 15 because they're important enough that you're going to want to dabble in them, but they're not important. Like you're never going to get those top five done if mm-hmm. you keep focusing on oh, all no, 20. Yeah. So scrap the 15 and focus on those five. So if I kept booking and booking and booking, like, yeah, I would probably make a little more money short term, but I'm losing those long-term skills to develop the business in a position in the future to be able to charge maybe four times what I am now. Mm. So really just focusing on long-term what's important, not focusing on what am I making this month? What am I making next month? Like yeah. it's really easy to get in that trap of like um, short-term growth mm. that is really just not going to serve you in the long run. So yeah. I just think in any business, slow and steady wins the race. Mm. Just take it nice and slow. Be very intentional with your time, um, especially if you're in that stage, like similar to where I am, where you do want to get to that next bigger kind of global level. Mm. Um 
it's it's not a race no it's gonna take time Mm. who's like a dream client that you'd want to work with dream client um because you mentioned before that you wanted to work with like dream clients i was like oh yeah thinking of (laughs) well i would love to be at the point where i could be booked anywhere in the world for like a swimwear label um fashion label like like sports illustrated or something or that would be pretty cool yeah (laughs) Yeah. that'd be sick yeah I don't have like any super particular in mind at the moment um but I am working with a lot of like individual small brands which is great it's amazing it's really fulfilling because you're you're frequently with like the founder the you know the sole person in the business like whoever it is Mm. who's really like close and it's very near and dear to them Mm. um but I would really love to challenge myself to get to um you know million billion dollar brands who need their marketing done um and that's when you can really start to make a bit of money which is not it's not like the be all and end all but um I'm a competitive person you know (laughs) I'm competitive with myself and I would love to see if I can get to that point Mm. I think knowing your backstory I think you've got nothing to lose (laughs) I think you'll get there (laughs) exactly (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on here and sharing um, everything. Like it's just been, yeah, so valuable and so golden um, and wholesome. So thanks for coming on. Um, I think there's like a lot of wisdom and a lot of things in here to unpack and that people can go back on and, and listen to and um, really get a lot out of, I think. Um, I've, I've certainly got some things out of it as well. And um, I think like, you're an amazing photographer, amazing businesswoman, hard worker, um, just an all-round wholesome human being. And I have really enjoyed having this conversation with you. So, oh, stop it! <laughs> Thank you, Abby. No, you're it's welcome. been a pleasure. It's been great chatting. Yeah, it's yeah. also like very, um, it's very nice for me to like actually reflect and like I'll probably listen to this. I mean, I'll definitely listen to this back. And yeah, um, like it's a really proud moment to like look back on where I've been and and Mm. where I've come in such a short period of time and um you know just take a moment to be like cool I did that now this is my life this is literally my life how crazy (laughs) I know and this this obviously is going to be here this this podcast is going to be here for a long time so when you're like old and gray you could also come back to this oh my gosh so beautiful about podcasts that you can always come back to them hopefully they'll stick around and we don't have some world crisis or something or apocalypse (laughs) um but it's always going to be here for whatever you need to um reflect again if you want but um yeah no thank you and um i i hope everyone listening to this um enjoyed the episode yes thank you so much abby you're welcome